The hands move. The lips move. Ideas gush from his words, and his eyes devour. He is an island of selfdom. Description from Emmanuel of Muhadib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Today, we're coming to you live from Evan's closet again. <laughs> I mean, that's where it's work from home and that's where you work, so yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> so, quote. We'll start with a quote, Evan. Where we're at. The hands move. Well, you see, the hands and the the lips. Man, they both move. They move. I have no, I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, I don't know either. But it's a description of Muhadib from the manual of Muhadib. It sounds found. See, and this is where. All right, you you read the the chapter, right? Right. So when they do the water of life orgy, right? their senses of each other and their awareness become closer and closer together. Yes. Okay. And in, in a way they work as one single body, each person being its own cell and they're then connected to the tribe as a whole. Okay. And their whole histories, right. Moving forward. This is what that, 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 that ceremony kind of represents. Okay. Okay. Does <laughs> is that is that what the orgy word means, or are they like having a uh, proper orgy like we think of it? I don't think. I think there may be some of that, but I don't think there's a lot. I think it's more of a a mind orgy. Yes, where they are one with each other. In, I mean, I'm sure there's some sensual stuff happening. Right. 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 It's not as prolific i think it's just they're one with each other in their minds and awareness the way we when we see um the reverend mother meet jessica it's kind of like that mutual sharing it's that but yeah less yeah so okay so much more uh pure in its nature than what the word has come to mean to our generation of people I mean, who have been inundated with uh pornographic disfigurement of what sex really is that's a very eloquent way to put it thank you we have to remember that frank wrote this book before the age of aquarius Mm, before the hippie movement before free love so i don't think he he, i don't think he ever um, he probably imagined he'd get to that point at one point we see that later on in the books but we don't see i think this is it's not a, a sexual misgiving at all together. At least that's not like the purpose of it. Or I didn't. Focus yeah, I didn't that. get that. There's definitely a sharing and intimacy. Right. But it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a pure carnal sexual. Cool. 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 Okay. So I say all of that and we go through all of that because in the last line of this poem, I guess it's a poem. It says he is an island of selfdom. Which... When the Fremen, there is no such thing as like an individual kind of self. You are one right. of the tribe. So he is this anomaly inside, which I just I just saw that now. And I think it's kind of like 
the the Fremen can't put their finger on what Paul is, so they're using all these extra words to describe it. Right, and he he's kind of forced to be an island because there's no one really like him. None. Yeah, not not that we've encountered that we can. That he knows that he's somewhat like somebody. Mm. So yes, all right. Um, at this point in the show, we like to read off some emails. Mm-hmm. Fan emails, tribe emails, people that are reading Dune want to contact us. We love reading that. Dune. Um, you can contact us on our Twitter and email us your favorite moment from Dune. Please do it. Uh, readingdune at gmail.com. You can send us audio, video, or even just this, you know, regular typing, which is what I have on my phone right now. This one is from uh, Zach Mueller. He says, Howdy, Caleb and Evan. I want you both. I know you both enjoy receiving emails. Yes, yes, we do. So I just want to send my gratitude for both of you and this podcast. It feels really great to have an e-book club during these unprecedented times. Some feeling of community. Yeah. Additionally, the trying times happening in Dune seems to somewhat mirror what happening in today's world. You true. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I commute via bike to Manhattan for work, blasting your, blasting your podcast from my shoulder Bose speaker. Wow. It, tur- it turns heads on a daily basis. This guy is way cooler than us. Way cooler than He's us. biking in Brooklyn, listen to podcasts. I started reading in December, and I'm currently behind schedule, but I hope I can catch up live and watch live. Sweet. Zach, if you're live, shout out. This is for you. Yeah. Favorite part? Um has been when the Baron tried to, or did assassinate the Duke Leto via, or no, the Duke tried to assassinate the Baron via the tooth. Oh yeah, the tooth. I love how you both whispered, the tooth. <laughs> no less than 86 times over multiple episodes. The tooth. Say spicy, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, Zach. We are not just two guys sitting in a closet talking about Dune. We are a bunch of people all over the world. Sitting in closets all over the world. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm here for it. So, this, Evan, is the end of book two, Muhadid. Yes. And you remember the end of book one, Dune? What happened? The Paul's, Paul's first, like, trip out crazy uh, Muhadid, Lisan Al Ghaib experience. Though. Right, right. His prescient yeah. moment where he, like, saw the future, saw everything unveiling before him, right? He's freaking out. Well, this chapter, the end of book two, we kind of get a similar moment, but for Jessica. Yes. Well, a little bit for Paul, too. Yeah, a little bit for Paul, too. Yeah, he's having a moment with yeah. his lady. Um, But, yeah, I think this is definitely Jessica's moment for right. her understanding right. not only what the Reverend Mothers are, but more of the B'nai Gesserit and more of, like, her role in the whole thing. Right. So, yes, that is what's currently happening. All right. So where did we leave off last with Paul and Jessica? Where where was Paul at? Um, Paul was in his new house with his new kids. New kids. And his servant, not wife, servant. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Where was Jessica? Jessica, we have no idea. She went off somewhere with with Stilgar or with Chani? Yeah, with Chani. Okay. They went to go see the Reverend Mother. Um, so, yes. We, but we didn't know that. We didn't know that. Right. She just got whisked off 
And Paul was like, where? One is my Ma. my girlfriend and my mom, and I'm very confused. And who is this woman in front of me? <laughs> what is happening? Um, he goes through whole, his whole thing, and now we get to catch up with Jessica. Yeah. It's a weird catch up. It's like we skipped we skipped a chapter. We skipped a moment in we, Jessica's. Yeah, we're going straight to the climactic scene. Right. Right away. Um, and it's kind of like jarring if you don't know what's coming. Yeah. So Jessica is led in by Stilgar onto this stage in this huge cave. So she's on the on the stage and she's estimating somewhere there's like maybe five thousand people. Yeah, currently in like this crowd that's gathering, right. and the cave is bigger than the Great Hall in her Bene Gesserit school. I'm still picturing the Matrix, uh, Reloaded. The one where they're in Zion underground. Yes, yes. where, where uh, Morpheus gives his big speech and everyone's like, Bruh! I think that's a great image. Yeah. I, I used that image on the thumbnail for the background. Oh, you did? That's yeah. cool. So like, no, it's that same idea. If you're watching same vibes. Same yeah, vibe. on YouTube, you can go see it on YouTube. Um, so, yes. Uh, let's see. Oh, she notes that this cave is bigger than the Great Hall in her Bene Gesserit school, which I picture as like the Hogwarts Great Hogwarts Hall. Great Hall, so yeah. So bigger than that. It's this big thing. Mm. Stilgar looks to Jessica and he kind of like gives her a way out of this ritual that she's about to undergo. She was right. like, he was like, do you want to do this? You know, you don't have to do this. And she doubles down on her decision to right. proceed, even though she could start to feel the doubt of the decision. <laughs> kind of doubles down. She's like, no, I'm doing it. She, and in her mind, she's like, should I do it? Should I do this? Should, am I doing this? Oh my God, I'm doing it. She's oh saying, my God. oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> well, I think that the big thing that she is concerned with is her unborn daughter. Right. Is it fair for her? She, she For her to risk her own life is completely cool. Right. For her to risk the daughter that she's currently carrying who has no choice in the matter there she's a little on shaky ground is this even more right not super cool no because it could kill her it could kill both of them what's going to happen um so there's very much where where does that all work but out? Do, does she also like not know the the fullness of what's is she thinking like this is something that'll kill her? It could be nothing at all. It could be chill. Like, I, you know? I think she's going into it thinking that like this could kill me, right? Which in turn could kill her. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So okay. So in evidently, when Jessica and Charney got taken away, Charney went they went to the Reverend Mother and like completed her assignment, right? She was going to become a Saladina, so she was doing her Hajara, she was going and visiting all these things and coming back. She had to see all the waters. Right. Yeah. She's coming back, but she's got more important news than just, hey, I finished. It's the holy crap, we found two strangers in the desert, and one of them, Stilgar is now saying, is Saladina, and some other people are whispering, was on Al-Gayib, and um, Johnny... Some, some stuff going on. Right Johnny's now reporting that, like, uh, these these people are crazy and they're like <laughs> i've never seen stilgar get bested let alone by a woman and also this the, his, the kid like fought Jameis without a scratch like weird so the reverend mother is probably like yes that yes Very this cool. is this Very is the one cool. set up the ceremony and we'll meet i'll meet you down below kind of a thing right 
So they set up like the tr- the the horn goes out to the call, and everyone starts gathering in the great hall, and then Stilgar kind of gets brought there. Right, right, right. It's because the Reverend Mother knows that they need a new Reverend Mother because they're about to travel, and she's not going to make the journey. And so she's been waiting for this person to come. Okay. Um, Jessica, although has no idea what's happening. Right. She yes. she has no idea what the ritual is, what the ceremony is. She's like, she's agreeing to this. Like, oh yes, I will go through with this. Does she know what the point of the ceremony is? Like, she have any vague idea that this is like a Reverend Mother situation? I, yeah, I don't know. She knows that they have the language of Reverend Mother, but I don't think she think it's the same Reverend Mother as the Bene Gesserit have. Right. Okay. Which we're gonna learn they're very similar in how they work. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah. But she does know that failing the ceremony, she's probably been told by Stilgar, like, people fail and they die. Ooh. Which we can go into what happens when they fail, but yes. All right. So Stilgar takes Jessica to a place on the ledge where the ritual will be performed. It's like an acoustical horn. Yeah. I was trying to picture what that looks like. So the way I kind of thought about it is like there's, they're in the ledge, they go as far back as they can. And so the, the rocks are like shaped in a certain way. Yeah. So that like, push the sound out farther. into the cavern. Yeah. So they want to put them as far back as they possibly can, so the sound has longer to grow. Interesting. Um, you're the you're the sound guy, not me. So you can tell me how that I actually could, works. Uh, <laughs> I could do my best and fail, <laughs> but I would I wouldn't die. And you wouldn't die. You wouldn't <laughs> die. So at least you're, you're okay. <laughs> um. All right, so we asked her to sit down and wait. Like, you can wait here before the Reverend Mother comes. Jessica's like, no, I prefer to stand. I will stand. I am noble. And he's like, okay, cool, whatever. All right. Okay, Jessica. Jessica watches as more people are gathering below. A crowd is forming on the ledge where she was. That crowd opens up and Paul walks through with his now sons. Right. Flanked on either side. Come along, boys. But they're walking as if they're Muhadib's personal like bodyguards. Oh yeah, they like, got their hand on the knife. Hand on the knife, like ready, like. <sighs> Stilgar then smiles down at Jessica in approval. The sons of Jamus, who are now sons of Usul, take their escort duties seriously. <laughs> Stilgar, what a guy! <laughs> Jessica knew Stilgar was trying to lighten the mood, but it wasn't helping. Right. <laughs> Jessica continues to re- reiterate to herself that she has no choice in the matter. She must go through with this and secure the Atreides' place among the Fremen. So her duty still is to at least the Atreides and then probably to the Bene Gesserit and keeping the Atreides' line still on. Right. Not dead. Paul comes up to his mom, visibly confused. <laughs> What's happening? I thought I was being summoned to council. Right, because Stilgar said, no, you'll get to talk in council. So he like went away, still didn't come to council. All right. The horn calls, oh, I must go. And he gets brought into like this like giant room and there's Jessica just sitting there. He's like, what's happening? Stilgar raises his hand for silence. In walks Johnny without her still suit, but in a graceful blue wraparound that's exposed her arms. R&B music plays in the background as Paul stares <laughs> dreamingly into it eyes girl oh girl that's how i pictured it oh, that's good that's exactly yeah i think it's a good needle drop right there in that moment <laughs> high on her left arm there's a green kerchief all thanks green for mourning right it's like a prescient Aww. thought or probably the boys probably told him yeah because he remembers the boys of james and jeff had said they don't wear the green because they accept him as their father 
Probably because Warrior they, father. they believe he's the Wizana Gaib that will lead them to greatness. So, of course, I got an upgrade in dads. They're like, perfect. Behind Chani, uh, an old woman was being carried in on a litter. A crone, wrinkled and shriveled, with a black gown with a hood thrown back to reveal the tight knot of gray hair on the stringy neck. <laughs> The litter was lowered by those who carried it, and Chani helped the old woman to her feet. The old woman leaned on Chani as she hobbled towards Jessica. She stops right in front of Jessica, looks up at her, holding the silence for an extra long moment, and then says, So you're the one! (laughs) There it is! (laughs) Shout out, Mapes' grandma! (laughs) Nodding once. Even wackier voice than shout out, Mapes' had. The shadow map was uh, right to pity you. Jessica quickly responded, I need no one's pity. The Reverend Mother turned rather quickly because she's a cracky old bag of <laughs> sticks and says, that remains to be seen. Tell them, Stilgar. Stilgar's like, oh, must must I? Like, you're the Reverend Mother. You You start the thing off. Right. And she's like, okay. So she spoke to the crowd. We are the people of Masur. Since our Sunni ancestors fled from Nihilalik Andruba, we have known flight and death. The young go on that our people shall not die. Stilgar took a deep breath. It's now his turn in the performance. He steps forward. Jessica's noting that 5,000 people has now grown to 20,000 people. Uh Uh-oh. They've heard what's going on, and everybody is silent to to hear Stilgar. Again, they've been all prepping to leave, so they're probably like, all right, we're going now? Like, what's happening? Stilgar. Tonight we must leave this sietch that has sheltered us for so long and go south into the desert. The Reverend Mother tells me she cannot survive another Hajra. We have lived before without a Reverend Mother, but it's not good for the people to seek a new home in such straits. The crowd starts to whisper. Oh, shoot, are we going to just go? Let's go. That's kind of messed up. That this may not come to pass, our new Sayadina, Jessica of the Weirding, has consented to enter the rite at this time. She will attempt to pass within, that we may not lose the strength of our reverend mother. Jessica could feel Paul open mouth staring at her at this moment. Uh, mom, mom. (laughs) What are you doing? Chaney led the old reverend mother to the rock bench where Jessica was on and went to stand behind Stilgar. Stilgar's voice again boomed. That we may not lose all if Jessica of the Weirding should fail. Chani, daughter of Liette, will be consecrated into the Sayadina at this time. Yes, Chani, yes, Sayadina. The old woman from deep in the acoustical horn, a whisper, harsh and penetrating. Chani has returned from the Hajra. Chani has seen the waters. She's seen the waters, the crowd responded. I consecrate the daughter of Liette in the Sayadina. She's accepted. The crowd responded in ritual. The ritual. Red. Paul, still not knowing what is happening, he's staring at his mom. Wait, what is she doing? What if she fails? What if Uh-oh. she dies? Uh-oh. Paul then looks over at the Reverend Mother, crony, wrinkly, deep blue within blue eyes. She looked as if a slight breeze would blow her away. But 
She also looks like she could stand untouched in the path of a sandstorm. <laughs> she carried that same aura that Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mahamam had when he was yeah. tested with the Gam Jabbar. Right. Big, so big Reverend Mother vibes. But yes. <laughs> big, big Reverend Mother vibes. That's what, that's, sorry, I'm reading the comments and making last. <laughs> trying to focus here. All right. So, I, the Reverend Mother Romalo, whose voice speaks as a multitude, says this to you. It is fitting, Charlie, enter the Syedina. It is fitting. It is fitting. The old woman nodded. I give her the silver skies, the golden desert, and the green fields that will be. I give these to Syedina Chani, and least she forget that she's servant of us all. To her fall the menial tasks of this ceremony of the seed. Let it be a shy halud, we'll have it. Reverend Mother Ramallah lifted her brown stick of an arm and then dropped it. And Chani's up. She's like, mm, let's do this. Right, bam. I love how in the ritual it's like you get the silver skies. It's probably from like a past. We'll go into the Fremen's past here in a little bit. Okay. The golden desert that is Dune and the green fields that will be. Like this is all encompassing. Like their past, present, and future uh, is all one in this moment. Right. So yeah, the Fremen have a really strong tradition of like oral tradition and passing down the stories. Right. And the Reverend Mother's really helping that because they were there. Right. <laughs> Literally. Johnny steps forward. Her time to shine. Let's go, Johnny. She's practiced all her lines in the mirror like three times. Let the water masters come forward. Jessica could feel her body start to focus in on the danger that was very literally coming closer to right. her. She's getting she's getting her muscles all tensed up, twitched up in the right order. As two by two, men carrying sloshing sacks of something made their way through the throng of people and they delivered these sloshing sacks to Chani's feet. Talk about good juice. Mm, that's the stuff. Chani asked, continuing the ritual. Right. Is there water? There is water, Sayadina, but we cannot drink of it. Is there seed? There is seed. Chani knelt down, putting her hands on the sacks, said, a blessing. Blessed is the water and its seed. Jessica's observing everything, but still really not knowing what's happening. Uh, yeah. What's in the sacks, first and foremost? What's in the sacks? What's, what's in the sacks? sacks? What's going on with the Fremen Reverend Mother, who is now sleeping? Right. She's, she's just like conked out. Quick now. I'm not needed anymore. Johnny turns to Jessica and asks, Sayadina, Jessica, have you tasted the blessed water? Jessica's about to answer, like, uh, what? But Chani kept talking. It's not possible that you've tasted the blessed water. You are outworlder and underprivileged. Just a backhand from Chani. Have you tasted the water? You haven't tasted the water. <laughs> you can't have. Foreigner. You foreigner. never could have. Alien. A slight sigh passed through the crowd. <gasps> Jessica, you can feel the hairs on her neck start to creep up a little bit. Like, uh, yeah. Like, like 20,000 people are watching not. you do anything. That's creepy. But now they're all expecting her to die, too. Because they're like, oh, right. well, here it goes. Will she do it? This is a, we'll see. The crop was large and the maker has been destroyed. 
Trying to begin to unfasten the coiled spout fixed to the top and one of the sacks. Jessica, feeling the danger, glanced at Paul. He was transfixed by the ceremony and looking only at Shawnee. She demands a stage presence. Jessica wondered if Paul had seen this moment. She rested her hand on her abdomen, asking herself, was it right to risk both her life and her unborn daughter's life? TBH, probably not, Jessica. This is probably a bad idea. Why did you do this? Johnny lifted the spout up to Jessica and announced to the crowd, Here is the water of life, the water that is greater than water, water that frees the soul. If you be a reverend mother, let Shah Halud judge you now. Jessica's still unsure and wary, doesn't know what to do. She's like, yeah, she's like, uh, I don't know. The stuff in the sack had a bitter smell, like the smell of so many poisons she knew and studied at the Bene Gesserit school. Uh, you must drink now, Tony told Jessica. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Jessica reminded herself there's, there's no turning back. Nothing in her Bene Gesserit training came to her mind to help her. Like, all those times back in the cave, like the Adab would just come up and she would know instantly what to do. Nothing. Right. Zilch. Nada. This is tense. <sighs> All right. <what's> next? <laughs> Johnny pressed down on the skin bag and a great gulp of this stuff surged into Jessica's mouth. Right. And she was still like trying to figure. She was like, took a little baby sip. Like, and she was like, <laughs> yeah, please. Johnny just. just Throw some drug water in her mouth like a crazy person. Charlie. Take it. Chug, 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 chug. Jessica swallowed it, trying to keep her composure because the taste stuff, it tastes nasty. I'm cool. I'm cool. Johnny staring at Jessica repeated the ritual saying to accept a little death is to is worse than death itself, Oy. which which randomly we're just going to put a pause right there real fast. The little death. First things, first thing that comes to mind, litany against fear. Yeah. Fear is the mind killer. Uh, fear is the little death that leads to total obliteration, right? So she's almost like quoting this back to Jessica. Jessica knows that. She's yeah. like, oh, you're right to face my fear. Cool. Jessica is now staring back at Chani, the spout still in her mouth. Like a, like a Fremen camelback. Yes. <laughs> Everything was getting colder. Again, Chani sent the liquid gushing in Jessica's mouth. <laughs> Jessica was caught, staring at Chani's elfin features, seeing traces of Liette Kynes in her. Her features were so clear, as if outlined in light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been there. She fed her a drug, but nothing she knew of or experienced was ever like this. And then it happened. <sighs> Snap. Silence settled around Jessica. Time had stopped, or nearly. Something profound was happening in her body. She felt as if her consciousness was a moat, smaller than a subatomic particle, yet capable of motion and sensing her surroundings. She realized she'd become aware of her kine- psychokinesthetic extension of herself. She was a moat, yet not a moat. Oh my gosh, you know what this reminded me of? Like the second time stopped? Yeah. Do you remember in Doctor Strange when they have the Ancient One on like a surgical, like in, yes. in an OR and she just like flies out of her, her like astral form, like flies out of her body. You're watching the lightning there. just like, mm, yeah. Right. That's what's happening. And she's like, this is the moment. 
This is it. This is what I've been. This is what I've been waiting for. This is the whole thing. But it's yeah. like everything is stopped, kind of. That same idea is what I'm picturing here. So the psychokinesthetic stuff. Okay, if you were in a uh, pitch black cave and you couldn't see anything, and you would wave your hand in front of your face, you know you can't see your hand, but you know it's there. Right. That's what it's kind of feeling like for her. She doesn't can't. She knows things are there, but can't see them or feel them or. Right. Just, it's just a knowing. Because, like, that word, like, psychokinesthetic would tell me that it's, like, mind, Movement. feeling. So it's, like, the mental feeling. That's that's kind of how I have put that together. And she feels very small, like, subatomic, which right. is crazy. Like, Ant-Man style. I just watched mm-hmm. Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp last night, so don't judge me. But, yes, that's what it very much feels like. Subatomic. <laughs> Everyone and everything was still right here where it was last. There was a rumor around the school back back in the day when she was like going up to the Benin Desert, like ranks, probably she's probably like, you know, like eight or nine that like, hey, you know, some of the Reverend Mothers don't actually make it. They die. Holy crap, they die. You could die becoming a Reverend Mother. Oh, no. So that's what's going on in her head. Like, oh, crap, I could die. Sure. Okay, this is what's happening. Time had stopped completely. She could see dust above Chani's head, suspended, waiting. Then it clicked. Time was suspended to save her life. She focused inward with her psychokinesthetic extension of herself and was immediately confronted by a pit of blackness. Uh A dark circle that beckoned her to look within. (laughs) This is the place where I cannot look. There's a place where the Reverend Mothers are so reluctant to mention, the place only the Kismark Haderach may look. This realization gave her a small measure of confidence. Maybe she had been trained for this moment. She found the drug she had swallowed. So she like, oh, wait, I can do this. Where's the drug? So she like focused her attention away from the dark pit of darkness and then goes, finds the drug. The drug was dancing particles within her, motions so rapid, not even frozen time could stop them. Yeah. She started recognizing a familiar chemical structure. Hmm. Carbon atom here, glucose molecule. Ooh, an entire chain of molecules. Then she recognized a protein, a methyl protein configuration. Aha! This is the nature of the poison. So, like, she legit had been trained to do this her right. whole life but not okay. going up to the right okay is it like she's okay so she's been trained to like move stuff around on a cellular level that's how the B'nai Jesuit like choose the gender of their offspring that's how they choose when and when not to get pregnant but I feel like when she took the the water like this this drug that she's on suddenly she's not only like moving stuff around like kind of even deeper than that she like sees it and she's like oh okay this is how i've been doing that and she's like uh-huh. piecing atoms together yes because they train they, they do a finger exercise at the very beginning which i mean we'll go over one day if we ever get there in the book Ooh. but like the, they do finger exercise they like feel every like nerve ending in your fingers and they like learn to train them and they do that through their entire body they do that for, the, for their children so this is just a psychokinetic extension of that so you, in a subatomic level where she can see the the chemical and go oh no this is how you fix it boom, 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 boom. yeah that was easy so if you do that now it doesn't kill people anymore. now it doesn't kill people anymore and you can only 
rearrange it if you're good enough to be a reverend mother right which is why it's the test to make you a reverend mother Uh uh-huh dude so if you never were like you didn't have that much control you would get down to that point and you your body probably wouldn't stop time right or if it did you wouldn't be able to see the protein and figure it out right or you would dive into the or you dive into the dark pit yeah Yeah. so there's a lot of different things um that it could do and so yeah yeah so then she makes that catalyst and the change spreads faster and faster as the catalytic reactions open serve like with the rest of all of the liquid she felt the spout from the sack was touched to her mouth gently collecting a drop of moisture from her lips so like she focused again oh like and shawnee's like pulling away but she's like grabbing that last little bit right so like okay so like she changed that drop and it goes and changes the whole rest yeah, of yeah the- as long as it's all connected it's going to continue so the like so the chemical happens in her and then it's going to like the change is cuz she like gushed it so it's still one like one big fluid yeah so, so it's, it's fall all the way up it's into changing the spout. from inside her into the sack yes dude what the heck that's Making, crazy so the sack is no longer poisonous at this point mm, it's just Good juice. It's just the good juice. <laughs> she was still standing at this moment because she refused to sit down before. So right. she's like standing there. She could feel people easing her down now because she's pretty she's much tripping out. She's, she's tripping, tripping out. balls. <laughs> the other people bring the old Reverend Mother Romalo to sit next to her. A dry hand of the Reverend Mother touches Jessica's neck. Ooh. And then all of a sudden, there's another psychokinesthetic moat within Jessica's awareness. Uh-oh. Jessica tried to reject it because no way, Jose, do you want somebody else invading you like right. that and trying to figure this out. Don't invade me. But it got closer and closer until the moats touched. Ooh. In that moment, Jessica and the Reverend Mother became one. Mutual awareness of the other. Together. Okay. Yeah, totally understand what that means. That's a lot. Like I understand what's ha- what they're saying. The words come together to like make conventional sense, but like what? Yeah, right. So now there's two people in the Jessica body. There's Jessica and oh, the Reverend Mother Ramalo. Right. Are now there together. But Jessica did not see the old Reverend Mother, but she saw a young dancing girl. Within their mutual awareness, the young girl's voice popped up. Yes, that's how I am. Jessica could inside. Jessica could say nothing. You'll have it all soon, Jessica. Swiftly, do not fight me. There isn't much time. We, you should have told us you were pregnant. That's what we've been saying, Jessica. Thank you, River Mother. Jessica's being completely, completely responsible right now. And I like how she says, uh, we have to do this. Yeah. Like, why did you tell us? You should have told us. She's talking about Romalo and all the other Reverend Mothers what? that are all there. But right now, Jessica can only have awareness of just Romalo. We'll get into that. Here it goes. Jessica asks, why? Like, why do I need to tell you? This changes both of you. Holy Mother, what have we done? Oh. Jessica felt a forced shift in the mutual awareness down. It's like Romalo took her head and just pointed her down. Like, you have no control. I'm controlling you at the moment. The, and she saw another moat presence darting wildly about in pure terror. You'll have to be strong. 
Good thing it's a daughter. This would have killed a male fetus. Now, gently, carefully, touch your daughter's presence. Just like Ramallah touched her presence. Be your daughter's presence. Whoa. Absorb the fear. Soothe. Use your courage and your strength. Gently now. The other moat was whirling around. It came close and Jessica felt compelled to reach out and touch it. The terror she felt from the other moat almost overwhelmed her. Jessica did the first thing that came to mind. I shall not fear. Fear is the mind killer. But it did nothing for the moat. But it made Jessica feel better. That's nice. Like, ah, I feel better now. All right, let's do it again. Words don't work, Jessica told herself. She she started to reduce herself to the basic emotional reactions. She radiated love, comfort, a warm snuggling of protection. Right. The terror receded. It's like after all of her training and her infinite knowledge and wisdom, she had to go back to just like mom, mom, nature, just like love. Here's some love, little 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 baby chap. <laughs> so good. Again, the presence of the old river mother asserted itself. Time compels me. I have much to give you. And I do not know if your daughter can accept all of this while remaining sane. But we but it must be. The needs of the tribe are paramount. What? Jessica's about to say. What, what do you mean she's not gonna remain she's not gonna remain sane? Remain silent and accept. And then, boom. Jessica could feel experiences unrolling before her. She knew each experience as it happened. She saw a bearded Fremen lover. Jessica saw his strength and tenderness, all in a blink of an eye. The experiences from all of Romalo's life poured into her like water pours into a glass. There's no time to think how this would affect her unborn daughter, only to accept the experiences, birth, life, death, from the countless other reverend mothers that are in Romalo's line. Important matters, unimportant matters, the outpouring of single-view time, sand falling from a cliff top. The old woman was dying, pouring her soul and experiences into Jessica. The other moat of her unborn daughter was fading back. I've been a long time waiting for you. Here is my life. And as that last experience of the old woman dying rolled into Jessica, Jessica realized, I am now a reverend mother. (sighs) She knew this wasn't the exact way they did it at the Bene Desert school systems, uh, but she knew the outcome was the same. Right. Jessica could sense her daughter mode. She probed it like she did before with no, no response. Uh-oh. Nothing. A terrible sense of loneliness crept over Jessica as she understood what just happened. Because she, she went from being three people back to just being one person. Yikes. She tried to reach out and feel the moat within her of her daughter. I did it. My poor, uninformed, dear little daughter. I brought you into this universe and exposed your awareness to all its varieties without any defenses. In that moment, 
she felt a tiny outpouring of love and comfort come from her daughter presence, like a mirrored reflection of what she had given her daughter earlier. Right. It's like her daughter's first learned thing. Oh, in terror, I, you do this. Which I think is really stop. Don't cry. All right. Before Jessica could, re- could respond, she felt the adab presence of demanding memory. There was something she needed to do. She groped for it, but she was still under the trance of the drugs, which didn't know what to do. Right. Everything is still a little fuzzy. She knew she could kill the high if need be, but it wasn't the right thing to do. She opened her eyes to see Chani holding the sack over Jessica's head. And then Jessica, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, says, It's been blessed. Mingle the waters. Let the change come to all that the people may partake and share in the blessing. And then another demanding memory thrust upon her from another side. I have met the Reverend Mother Romalo. She is gone, but she remains. Let her memory be honored in the rites. The sacks move on. They get passed open. Right. Things start happening. Jessica wondered, where did I get those words from? It's just like the prayer from, or like the hymn or whatever from in the cave. Right. right. She's kind of like, well, it's it's like that, but this one was like trained in her. This was totally new because she did. was happening in the ceremony. Right. Um, These had come from the other memory. The other lives were now speaking through her. Right. Like almost, it wasn't just training anymore. It was actual memory of how this ritual is supposed to go. Right. And it's not your memory. It's somebody else's memory. Jeez. <clears throat> the other memory then popped up in her head, talking strictly only to Jessica. Let them have their orgy. They've little enough pleasure out of living. Yes. And you and I need this time to become acquainted before I recede and pour out through your memories. Already I feel myself being tied to bits of you. Oh, you have a mind filled with interesting things. So many things I'd never imagined. So not only is Jessica getting Romalo's memories and everybody else's memories, but in a weird way, Romalo is also getting Jessica's memories. Right. They're becoming one. They're like coming together. Yeah. Which is, I mean, coming from Kaladin, right? Jessica has all these experiences of like, flush green worlds and scuba diving things right but like oh wow you are so close to him this yeah. is awesome and then the mind memory memory encapsulated within her opening itself up to jessica permitting a view down a wide corridor to other reverend mothers and it seemed like there was no end to the corridor jeez Jessica recoiled in fear how she could become lost in the ocean of oneness. Still yet the corridor remained, revealing to Jessica that the Fremen culture was far older than she suspected. All right, so we're in new Fremen history. Here we go. 101. We'll see it. There were Fremen on Poetrin, but that was a soft planet. Therefore, the Fremen became, they like lost their edge and became fair game for Imperial raiders that would harvest them monies. So that's when they found a planet and needed to populate it. They would just raid the planet for people they could capture and send them off like slaves to Bella Tegiz and Seleucus Secundus. So that's also Seleucus Secundus is also a hard planet. So they took the people we can imagine this like <clears throat> so they were you have these these tribes that were all together doing their thing. They get raided and they get split up into two. They go to two different planets 
and then I could lose their history when trying to get it together. Jessica could hear and feel the brutal ferocity of the people who oppressed, like petals of a terrible flower. The history were carried word of mouth from Sayadina after Sayadina till the discovery of the drug on Rossick opened up the ways for Sayadinas to become Reverend Mothers. So they were then rescued from the two planets, brought together on one planet, Rossick, and they discover this drug and allows them to open up the minds of the females and they connect to their genetic memory. So, okay, they just like stumbled upon this B'nai Gesserit secret Mm -hmm. thing? They just like happened upon it? Yep. What? And then they get taken away from Rossick and get put onto Arrakis where they find something much better than they had on Rossick. They now have the worms and the water of life. Mm. Granted, life sucks there, but they (laughs) will survive. (laughs) Never forgive! Never forget! She heard the voice screaming down the corridor. Jessica probed down the corridor to see where the water of life came from. She sees six men holding down a tiny sandworm, drowning it, waiting for it to vomit up the water of life. That's drowning how, it. Yeah. So what? How they get in the, the water? water. Uh huh. They take. They find a sandworm, not a, not a sand trout, a sandworm, a baby one, a small one, and then they drown it in the water. And because the sandworms, so the sand trout, what they do right is they they attach to water and they they take all the water and right. Over, you know, clump it together until you have the pre-spice mass that blows up. Yeah. And from that blowing up, then you have the, the, um, the one, the trout that survived become sandworms. Right. Right. And if the, the trout take the water away so the sandworms can live and thrive, the big ones and grow yeah. for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, because the water is like poison to them. So they take it and they just dump us. They dump the worm into like an acid, the acid water. Water is like acid to them. So it's like disintegrating okay, yeah, their, yeah. Mel- their their cells and it's trying to, and they like churns it all up. And then as the water goes in the worm, the water comes out of the worm. And, it, and as it dies, it like vomits up the water of life in the catching the sack. Which is a poison at that point. Yes. Still. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like all the spice and like the most hardcore things and all. Oh, that's what help unlocks the Reverend Motherness in the Sayadinas. All right. <clears throat> so Jessica's going down the corridor of everything, right? And all of a sudden she hears, Mother, are you all right? Paul's voice intruded on her. Come on, Paul. Jessica struggles to come out of the corridor, out of the inner wi- near awareness and stare up at him. Resenting his presence, like, I had to come so far to come see you right now. (laughs) She says to him, oh, no, this is what she thinks. She says, I'm like a person whose hands were kept numb without sensation from the first moment of awareness until one day the ability to feel is forced onto them. And I say, look, I have no hands. And the people around me say, what are hands? Stripping out. She's stripping out hard right now. He's like, it's like my hands were like tied up, but like always. And then it was like I had hands, and then I was like, dude, I have no hands. And people are like, dude, what are hands, dude? (laughs) She is gone. She's gone. Completely gone. Paul just repeated, Are you all right? (laughs) Jessica just muttered, Yes. 
is this all right for me to drink? They want me to drink it. Jessica, it's just see your mom's guy. Yeah, dude, it's cool. Just do it, dude. Just do it. Sick. Jessica looked at Paul, knowing that like he's been trained in the Mini Jesuit in ways he knows there's poison in it. But he starts. She's she starts to get concerned about his prescient ability, like. Bro, can't you see the future? Is that do some weird stuff to your like brain thing, dude? <laughs> and she says, "You may drink this. It has been changed." All right. Now we go to Stilgar, who's now staring at Jessica, studying her because this whole time everyone's like, "It's There's a thing. It's the legend." He's always like, "No, it's not oh, been tested. No, please stop." And now he says, "Now we know you cannot be false." She sensed a double meaning in his words, but the muzziness of the drug was too strong for her to understand. What do you think he's saying in that? Now we know you cannot be false. Uh, now we know you're not lying. Right. Which, because if you were lying, you would have died. What's that mean about Paul? That they weren't lying about who Paul is either. Right. That the, or at he, least Stilgar accepts it. Still, yeah. Point. He's like, oh, you are the one from the legend because you passed. Right. You passed all tests. And if you're the one from the legend, then Paul is the one from the legend. <sighs> right. Which means a whole bunch of shit's about to go down. <clears throat> Paul had seen what had happened to his mom, and he knew what a little bit of spice had done to him in the past. So he was very wary about what's about to go down. He searched his memory, the possible futures. He knew this drug. He could assemble a knowledge about it. He knew he could understand what his mother was doing, but what his knowledge lacked was experience. Fair. When you see the future, you're like, oh, yes, this will happen. This will happen. This will happen. Be up all in your head. But do you actually never actually felt it happening right now? Right. And then he knew it was the one thing to see the past occupying the present. Okay, but the true test of precedence was to see the past in the future. Uh-huh. You get it? No. I'm sure some part of my mind gets it. No, I don't get it. I don't get it. The past the past occupying the best the past in the future. Right. So every time Paul has looked into his prescience, he's seen things, but it's always been off. He's in like it's never been exactly it. Yeah. So the true, like his journey now will be to master his prescience. So he knows every moment before it happens. Yeah. It's already written. It's already the past. Okay. So technically he could walk around blind and never bump into anything. Cause he knows what everything's going to be. Gotcha. Right. He's that he, you could throw something at him and he not look and he knows it's there because he knows in the future that's where it's going to be. That's his, yes. This is true test. Drink it, Johnny said as she waved the horn spout <laughs> like under his nose. Like, come on, man. Uh, uh, I don't know. Paul straightened looking at Johnny. He could feel the excitement in the air, right? The crowd starting to buzz. Like, oh, we going to get this. We going to get some. We gonna get some water of life. Let's go. They know what's about to happen. Get that good juice. Plus, he knew what would happen as soon as he took it. A vision of pure time. Time becoming space. And then behind them, Stilgar. 
Drinker, dr- drink it up, lad. You delay the right. <laughs> What's with you and your mom delaying things? We gotta get moving here. <laughs> we gotta leave, and everyone's gotta trip out before we leave. Like, it's a lot going on. We got a lot going on here. Paul looked at the crowd, hearing the wildness in their voices. Lazan al Gaib, Muhadib, Muhadib, Muhadib. Right? They're like, they're into yeah. it now. Yeah. Like, Stillgard's just confirmed that, holy cow, this is the legend. They're about to get hyped. Like, this is all of their prophecy coming true in the moment that we're about to go crazy. Paul looks down at his mother, who is peacefully asleep in a sitting position, her breathing even and deep. Well, that's reassuring. Yeah, she knows she's perfectly oh, cool. Oh, mom's chilling. Okay, mom's well, chilling. I'm she's good. just like sitting asleep, just, just even breaths, just yeah. perfectly just chilling. Yeah. The phrase out of the future hit him in his head. It from his lone, the phrase from the future that was his lonely past came into his mind. She sleeps in the water of life. Oh. Johnny tugs on his sleeve. <clears throat> Paul took the spout into his mouth. The people shouted. Yeah. Johnny just squeezes as hard as she can. <laughs> the liquid gushes into his throat. She removes the spout, handing the sack into the hands that reached for it from the floor of the cavern. Paul was stuck. My question is, this when is did, happening? When did Chani drink? Ooh, we don't get know. that, but I think while we're waiting, while she was waiting for uh, right. Jessica to do something, she probably like you have to just. She probably took a sip and like passed it down the line, right? Puff, puff, pass. She took yeah. it. So like, I like to think in this moment while they're waiting, like the drug is hitting her in this moment. Like, uh, right. I'm okay. For, I'm okay. At least she she must have taken it after Jessica was like, it's cool now. Yeah. Like, I changed it. You're good. Right. She probably knew. Right. Like, oh, she's not dead. Cool. She's, you know, seen yeah. this done and hands it off. Um, And so she's like starting to go into her, her, her like trip as yeah. she's waiting. Like, I just want to get rid of this bag, please. I want to get rid of this bag. Do you think please. she's experienced this before? Uh, I mean, I don't. The, I mean, the Reverend, the the old Reverend Mother was old, so I think they do this right. I think this is a yearly thing. Oh, okay. Like, ha, this is. I mean, again, life sucks, Ronarakis. This is their festival, right? So they got all they got to do is find a sandworm, bring it to the Reverend Mother. She changes it. We all party for one night and feel it. So, like, she's probably witnessed it. I don't know if she's done it yet. Probably, she's probably done it. She probably knows because she knows the what to say. Right. Or she was trained in what to say. Um, but yeah, she's starting to have her like trip. It's not as crazy as the other two, but right. yeah. Obviously. So Paul is stuck, staring at the green kerchief on Chani's arm. Chani straightened up. <clears throat> she could see where he was looking. I can mourn him even in the happiness of the waters. This was something he gave us. She put her hand into his and led him along the ledge, down away from the people. So she was like, okay, you're about to trip hardcore. We need to get you away from everybody ASAP. You come with me. Right. And as she's, she's like talking to him as she's pulling him. We're alike in a thing, Usul. We have lost a father to the Harkonnens. And she's like, we're good, dude. Like, come on. Yeah. Paul had no choice but to follow her. He felt as if his head were not attached to his body. 
his legs were all remote and rubbery. Yep. We've yep. all been there when just way too high. And you're like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. You like step and you're like, wait, did I step? <laughs> Was that a step? <laughs> Is it tomorrow? <laughs> what, what's my foot down there? They <laughs> slide through a narrow passage. Paul could feel the drug having its special effect on him more right. than most. Time was opening up like a flower. He found the need to steady himself with Chani as they turned down another tunnel. He could feel her muscles underneath her robe, that like ripcord of them. He could feel both the drug and the warmness of her body when he was just touching her. He's getting, he's feeling her. (laughs) I know you, Chani, Paul whispered. Like, This no, is, no, he's tripping out. I mean, it's it's like when you're like super high for for whatever reason, and you try to say something, and it sounds way weirder than it did in your head. That's what's happening. This is also this is also his pickup line, right? Because he's like trying to be smooth and romantic, but then he says this. I know you. <laughs> I know you, Johnny. Paul whispered. We sat on a ledge above the sand. I soothe your fears. We've caressed in the dark. We've... He stumbles. <laughs> he found himself stumbling, losing focus about right. where he is. What is happening? Johnny caught him, leading him into a private apartment with low tables and cushions. Paul grew aware they had stopped moving. Johnny stood facing him, and her eyes betrayed a, betrayed a quiet look of terror. <laughs> you must tell me. She whispered, you are my Sihaya, the desert spring. Johnny tries to explain what's happening. So when the tribe shares in the water, the whole tribe has a heightened sense of awareness and sharing with each other's awareness. Like connection. Hardcore. We are one with the universe and one with each other connection. But she was scared of what the others would do to him. And vice versa. Right. Because he's putting out, he's putting out weird he's Lazan al Gaib vibes that nobody's ready for. So she was like, oh, you're getting weird. Let's take you out of here. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Could you imagine him at the center of this? The jihad would start right then and there right. if he like left him. Right. A lot. Yeah. Things would happen. She says, I'm afraid to share with you. Why? Paul asked. He tries to focus her on her, but past, present, and future were all blurring together. Right, that's got to be a little, a little difficult. I can't just okay, okay, just uh, I love the why question. It's not that he like just tell, keep talking to me so I can focus. Right. <laughs> he had seen her in countless ways, in countless positions and settings. You press on people. You make us see things. Paul forced himself to speak distinctly. What do you see? Johnny looked down at her hands. I see a child, our child, yours and mine. She put her hand to her mouth. How can I know every feature of you? So she's now tripping hardcore along with him. But But she's picking up. But she's picking up his vibes. Yeah. And like like that whole thing that like his prescient vision, she's like on that trail now seeing their all of their moments together as well. Yeah. So, Yikes. Paul is now observing more than surprised. He's just like for scientific research at this point. He's like, hmm, the Fremen have a bit of the prescient gift, but they suppress it because it terrifies. Like, right. Well, they got that much spice happening all the time. Right. They don't need to like. They got it. some version of it. 
well, as well as like, if they have Reverend Mothers, they also probably have breeding programs. And this is the best of the best working yeah. their way up there in their own religious as well as the physical limitations of Arrakis. Right. Really, they have to hone their bodies, right? They don't cry. Like they right. have also have crazy amount of control. Paul, in a moment of clarity, sees Johnny shaking. What is it you want to say? Paul asked. Usul, she whispered, still trembling. He says, you cannot back into the future. Profound compassion washed over him as he pulled her close to him, stroking her head. Usul, help me. As she spoke, still in his arms, the drug completed its work. And within him, it ripped away the curtain so he could see the gray, distant turmoil of the future. I like to think of it as like just gray clouds. Just complete on the horizon, complete uncertainty, oh. like yeah. fog within fog. Yeah. He on one side, he could see the Imperium, a Harkonnen named Fade Rautha, who flashed toward him like a deadly blade. The Sardaukar raging, the, the guild conniving and plotting, the Bene Gesserit with their schemes of selective breeding. They all lay their masts like a thunderhead on the horizon. Language again, only he knows. As a Caladan. The only thing that held them back were the Fremen and their Muhadib, the sleeping giant of the Fremen, poised for their wild crusade across the universe. Paul felt himself at the center, the pivot point, where the whole structure turned. There was a thin wire of peace and happiness among the Fremen, Johnny at his side, times of relative quiet in a hidden sietch, a moment of peace between periods of violence. So Paul sees the whole board. He sees the whole, he sees all the players. Right. He's the only one that sees all the players. Bene Gesserit knows somewhat about the Fremen, but they don't know quite what's going on. The Sardaukar and the Imperium have no idea. They don't care about the Fremen. The Guild, they like, they're just using the Fremen for the spice. Like no one's really seeing how, they don't really care about the religious workings. Right. And all the stuff's now swirling together. He could barely mutter out, there's no place for peace. He starts crying. Usul, why are you crying? Usul, my strength. Do you give moisture to the dead? Who's dead? She's remembering the moment when he cried for James. Right. To ones not yet dead. Then let them have their time of life, she says. He sensed through the drug fog how right she was and pulled her even closer. Sahaya, he said. So Paul is usually not wrong, but he can definitely be told. He, he can be convinced. They're like, right. oh, you're, you're right. That, that's, that was more right. Right. She put a palm against his cheek. I am no longer afraid, Usul. Look at me. I see what you see when you hold me this way. So like she's moved, like she was like, he not into him. He was like, you're interesting. Yeah. I need to get you away for everybody else's safety. Holy cow. I'm in on this thing. Let's go all the way. <laughs> that was like a real quick. Yeah. You just shared some, I'm in for this experiences. This is what the future's going to be. I'm here for it. What do you see? He demanded. So she sees the exact same thing he just saw with the, periods between violence and this time in the sietch and he sees all he, she sees all that same thing but she says 
I see us giving love to each other in a time of quiet between storms. It's what we are meant to do. Oh, yeah. And it's just and I like how like the quiet between storms almost is Fremen life, right? The storm comes, you have to get out of the way. And then you come back up right. and you wait for the next storm to come and you, you go back down. So this is this, for her. I don't think this is like this is just how we live. Like this is normal. The drug had hold of him again. And he thought so many times you've given me comfort and forgetfulness. He felt anew, the hyper-illumination and its high-relief imagery of time. He sensed his future becoming memories, the tender indignancies of physical love, the communion of selves, the softness and the violence. You are the strong one, Johnny, he muttered. Stay with me. Always, she said, and kissed his cheek. End of book two. Wow, wow, wow. I definitely think that Paul just lost his virginity in that right after this scene. We close and they make love. Right. You can't be that close. I and, guess. That's, and that's why I think that the orgy thing, like there could be some sexual connotations, but not completely overtones when you're so close and intimate. Some stuff bleeds over in that, but I don't think that's purely what it's there for. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a that's a personal thought. You can it could be right. Yeah, that's a who knows what the movie will do. You know, like you're you're assuming that I feel like that moment was like so pure in and of itself. It wasn't even necessarily about no sexual things. <laughs> but it could have just been like, oh, like we're in this. Cool, kiss on the cheek. Let's uh, go to sleep. You know, like it could have it could have been that simple as well. You know, maybe some maybe. Some, I, I know mean. more than you do about what's coming, but they're definitely lovers. Oh, physical for sure lovers. But I'm saying I'm themselves. saying it seems like it's even on a on a deeper level than just like yeah. Wow, this is so intimate. Let's do it. You want to do it? Okay, we can do. It. You know, like it's it's, it's more it's, more than just sex at this point. right. It is it's, there's it's something deep. Else. Yeah, and like emotional spiritual connection that they now have yeah communion of selves it's the right. sharing it's like their souls are tied yes completely in this and that ends book two so a lot of things happened in that jessica became a reverend mother yep and she now has all the memories of all the females in that were passed down from reverend mother to reverend mother right which is crazy then we have her unborn daughter. What do you think is going to happen to her? If that's what's going to happen to Jessica, what's going to happen to the unborn daughter? She's uh, she's going to have she's going to have some funky some funky stuff going on because she drank the good juice before she was even really a thing. Yeah, before she had like an actual personality or any of that. Yeah, yeah. Johnny became a Sayadina. Yeah. Yeah, she's now officially up there. Right. Paul took another step mm-hmm. into the trippiness of prescient vision. I feel like um, every time he's gone there, he's getting more used to it. Yes. And he's like understanding a new, it's like he's like leveling up every time he's like having this. But he's still like freaked out right before it happens every time. Yeah, he definitely, yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen. He's just like, uh, 
Right. Here we go. Figure at some point he's just like gonna go on a bender and he's just like in a CH, just like snorting up spies, like, you know, like <laughs> going, <laughs> going super crazy, like time is me, it belongs to me. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that could happen. <laughs> that could happen. Yeah, there's and I think you're right. Every time he goes through this, he uh he learns what he can and cannot do. Like, oh, I can't right. rely too much on it. Oh, if I, I can choose something different. Oh, I can do yes. this. And so now it's like each time he's like, oh, and this and this one, it's like, okay, the goal is to just make the past and the future one just continual line. Yeah. That's the goal. That's what he's shooting for. That's crazy. Um, and now we will move on to the next book, book three. Here we are. And you you said the, uh, the general assumption is that this is where the movie ends? This? Okay, and we can highlight this point because, yeah, when I reached out on Twitter, um, everybody thinks this is the climax because um, the next chapter takes place three years later. There's a time jump. Oh. So this makes the obvious, like, jump... Like, this is the obvious stopping place. So, this is your climactic scene. A giant orgy party. Interesting. And that's where I'm a little concerned about the movie, because uh, we're looking for some resolution to happen. I guess the resolution right. is they're finally safe. Right? So, the first thing is, like, the Duke Leto knows he's walking into a trap. They spring the trap. Well, I don't know if the trap, they spring it, but it gets sprung. And they do the Atreides survive? The answer is yes, and right. and some. Yeah, I'm th- I'm trying to like, and you can't do it all in one movie. People have tried. You know what I'm talking about, and it's just awkward. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, you know, like Fellowship, Fellowship of the Ring, right? Right, right, right. It's like all rising action, and then like there's that climactic moment, but then there's like some stuff happens, you know, like the whole battle, like happens where Bormir dies and sorry, spoilers for anyone who's not watched Lord of the Rings in the past. It's over 10 years old. You can write spoilers. Uh, so Boromir dies and Aragorn's like, Oh, sorry, bro. And he like kisses him, takes things and puts him in a bow. But then he's like, Oh, we won't leave Mary and Pippin to die. Let's hunt some more. There's like a falling action, like resolution to that. And there's resolution to all these different plot lines. And then, Sam and uh, Frodo are off to the next part of their adventure, but there was like a moment where it peaked and then it died down. This is so far in this book. This felt like rising, 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 right. And the end of this chapter is just like rising, right. And it's just like stopped. Right. Which, which concerns me as a storyteller in general, because you want that, that uh, feel, you oh, need that resolution. Things. And as of right now, in this moment, 2021, they have not greenlit the second movie yet. Right. So there's a possibility we only get one. I don't know if it's going to happen. Thank you a lot, COVID and the pandemic, but you know. Um, I think, so yeah, this is what I think the ending goes as you do the water of life moment and then your, this last scene between Paul and Shawnee needs to reflect right in the beginning with him having dreams. Hmm. So it's the fulfillment of the dream segment. So, I mean, even if you go back and reread the first four chapters, like there's like so much packed into 
the first chapter with Reverend Guy Selma Hamam and, and like the Gamja Bar and the him telling of the dreams, like that's all that needs to be so focused on because without any of that, like we're about to it's content, which it's going to be payoff and payoff and payoff and payoff, which is going to be awesome. Cause we're going to see everything come to a conclusion, but yes, there's got to be some sort of, and I think that this might be the end moment. It was like, I want to like them in the, in the cave together having them. And I want to like zoom out and you see all of the lines of the future that Paul is seeing. Jeez. Cause I know they're going to do a black Panther esque um, montage scene at the beginning and explainer. Like where we are in the universe, right, what's right. happening, what are all the factions, who are the Bene Gesserit, like and we've been doing all of this and da da da. Right. Like, Spices. like the beginning of the fellowship. Yeah. Galadriel explains everything. Yeah. Exactly. So you need one of those moments to pay off this. And I think this may be like a and I trust Denny Villeneuve to do a good job with this, but the only director I direct or trust. But yeah, that's the it needs to be made into a movie. I think now is the time, and I don't know. It's going to be awesome. If, well, let's see. If they can pull off the prescient stuff, that's going to be the hardest thing. And the, tra- the trailer is promising. The trailer gives me hope. Yes. I mean, in the 80s, they tried with David Lynch, and we will watch that movie as soon as we finish the book. And it's one movie in pure 80s goal yeah you guys should tell us what to do when we watch that movie should we live tweet it should we live stream it let us know let us know what we should do because that's yeah that's gonna happen for the good of the tribe (laughs) (laughs) muhadib 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 all right so thus make sure you again uh come hang out with us on twitter yeah yeah reading dune i think it's a good time because i tweet things yeah uh, email us your favorite moments, reading doing at gmail.com. Yes. And we. Um, Somebody we'll... said something about uh, Discord. <laughs> yeah, Evan. I like it. He's, um, he's we'll been, we'll leave been, it hanging there. We'll he's been telling me there. to do that for a while, and I'm just going to leave it on him. All right. So, you know what? We'll see what happens. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Uh, we will. See you in book three. Stay spicy, my friends. See ya.